Thank you for joining us. Today, Pastor Adam will bring a message that will encourage you and bring peace in the midst of your circumstances. You will learn how to sleep like a baby. And now let's join the service at Fresh Fire Church in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Sleep like a baby. So I think that's what we're calling it today. Sleep like a baby. Although as you sleep like a baby, he will take you through it. Hallelujah. So as you get your Bibles, go and turn them to the book of Acts. We're going to look in chapter 12 here in a moment. As you do that, we'll remind you of just a couple of things. Uh, Enormous Closets, Tuesday. I know we're scheduled to have some more winter weather coming in Monday night into Tuesday, but we are planning to be open Tuesday morning. And uh, hallelujah. And uh, Tuesday night worship, all weather permitting, because of whatever it is that's coming. They can't seem to ever get it right, so we'll just wake up and wait until we see what happens, all right? Um, hallelujah. And uh, so that's going on this week. We, uh, and uh, so just stay tuned online or um, watch our Facebook page if there's any cancellations that are needed. And uh, we'll announce them accordingly and whatnot. And uh, for texting alerts, that'll be coming out soon too. Um, because we now, because of some regulations, you have to enroll to get them. It's illegal for us to send them otherwise. So uh, we'll have that being launched and things and things will be posted so you have to sign up to get them. That means if something's canceled, you'll get a texting alert uh, or something to that effect. But uh, because of some changes, that all has to be done differently. So uh, as soon as we have it all set up and Pastor Donnie gets it finished, uh, we'll uh, announce it. You can sign up for those sort of things. If there's ever a change to anything, you can get it that way. And it comes an email too and it goes on social media, but some of y'all prefer that. So... Uh, if you prefer that, you'll be able to do it. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 12, if you're with me today. Sleep like a baby. The kids must be going to eat something. I can smell food. <laughs> That's not fair. Hey. All I had was coffee. Hallelujah. I just rebuke that in the name of I'm not kidding you. I smell that strong up here. Wow. Praise God. Lord, have mercy. Acts chapter 12. Now, I'm going to actually, I'm going to read this today, uh, not out of the King James Version like I normally do. I'm actually going to read this text out of the Message Version, something I don't do very often. But because of the way it lays it out, and you'll see why, especially because of the title that I chose, you'll see why I chose this version. I rarely like to deviate from... uh, King James, sometimes I'll do NIV, and if I'm teaching, I'll do Amplified, but this is this is unusual, but I, I want to read it this way, so what I'm reading is going to look a little different than what you're looking at, but it's uh, it lays out in such a way that I think is, is awesome for where we're going to go today for sleep like a baby. Acts chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 1, and it says, that's when King Herod got it into his head to go after some of the church members. It's already reading different, isn't it? Listen to that. That's when King Herod got it into his head to go after some of the church members. In other words, have you ever had somebody do something and you thought to yourself, what were you thinking? He goes on to read, he murdered James, John's brother. When he saw how much it raised his popularity ratings with the Jews, he arrested Peter. All this during Passover week, mind you. 
and had him thrown in jail, putting four squads of four soldiers each to guard him. So 16 soldiers to one. He was planning a public lynching after Passover. Verse 5, all the time that Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse, the church prayed for him most strenuously. Then the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill. That night, even though shackled to two soldiers, one on either side, Peter slept like a baby. See, now you understand. Hallelujah. Peter slept like a baby. See, see if, you can, if, you can, if you can sleep and you can have inner peace when your outer circumstances are totally contradictory to everything else, that is faith at its best. Are you hearing me? That is faith at its best when you can sleep and be at peace when your outer circumstances look differently. In other words, sometimes faith doesn't say a word. You know what the Lord said? Sometimes faith snores. That's what Peter's, that's what we get from this. Sometimes faith snores because you're able to sleep and be at peace despite all hell that's coming against you. Anyway, let's continue on. And it goes on and says, And there were guards at the door keeping their eyes on the place. Herod was taking no chances. Verse 7. Suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. There was an angel at his side and light flooding the room. The angel shook Peter and got him up. Hurry. The handcuffs fell off his wrists. The angel said, get dressed. Put on your shoes. Peter did it. Then grab your coat and let's get out of here, the angel said. Peter followed him. He didn't believe it was really an angel. He thought he was dreaming. He thought he was dreaming. Can you imagine living in such a way that you didn't think it was real, that it was just a dream? Can you imagine if we could live in such a way that it's hard to keep up with all that God's doing that we think we're dreaming? Come on. Verse 10, we're almost through. Past the first guard and then the second, they came to the iron gate that led them into the city. It swung open before them on its own. And they were out on the street, free as the breeze. This is what this version says, all right? At the first intersection, the angel left him, going his own way. That's when Peter realized it was no dream. He says, I can't believe it. This really happened. Remember last week, this is supposed to be the year of power, patience, and praise. So when God answers your prayers, it's going to take a while for you and I to believe it. It took a little bit for Peter to believe that this was really happening. Peter says, the master sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's vicious little production and the spectacle the Jewish mob was looking forward to. Verse 12, still shaking his head amazed, he went to Mary's house. And Mary, who was John Mark's mother, the house was packed with praying friends. When Peter knocked on the door to the courtyard, a young woman named Rhoda came to see who it was. Watch this. But when she recognized his voice, Peter's voice, she was so excited and so eager to tell everyone Peter was there that she forgot to open the door and left him. She left the answer to prayer standing in the street. Oh, hallelujah. 
see what a difference that one version can make to maybe our understanding of where we're going to go today. Hallelujah. Sleep like a baby. Lord, take me through it. Whatever title we, 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 we call it today, Lord, take me through it. Whatever it is, take me through it. Lord, help me to sleep like a baby. Praise God. Praise God. Have you ever found yourself in a situation that you didn't necessarily belong in? Mm-hmm. This text is so exciting uh, because I can, I can relate in some ways where you find yourself in a predicament and you didn't do anything to get yourself there. <laughs> Maybe it's just because of your association. Uh, last week when we made a, a, a little announcement, we had to address an issue that's been in the news, right? Uh, we find ourselves in a situation that we didn't do anything to get ourselves in, but we have to address it and we have to be there, Amen. Same thing is true in our lives. Sometimes we'll, we'll find ourselves in a situation, be, and yet we didn't do anything ourselves. You didn't make a decision. You didn't, you didn't scream at nobody. You didn't yell at nobody, but somehow you're in the midst of some kind of trouble. This text is exciting because, that, that, that it, it, because it's exciting that it, it is easy to get caught up in what happened and not examine why something happens. Oh, Hallelujah. Hear what I'm telling you. When trouble comes, the first thing you and I do, I know it is true, the first thing you and I do is we're focusing on what is happening and not why. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. We, we do that in our lives. We, we do it in our text, right? We get caught up in what happened because what hap- was happening to us is flamboyant. It's challenging. It's scary. And very few people will ever challenge themselves by asking, why is this happening? Watch this. We, we pray about what is happening. If my car breaks down, we pray about wh- what is happening. If we get sick in our body, we start praying about what is happening. Father, take this from me, right? I found myself over the last couple of weeks, Lord, take this all terrible dizziness from me, not ever considering why it's happening. Just do it. When we're in a financial mess, oh, God, send $1,000. Never considering why are we in this financial mess. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all just going to be too quiet today. I know it's cold, but if it's that cold for you, just stand up, do jumping jacks, spiritual calisthenics, you know. You'll warm up. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. We, We often focus on what is happening to us and not the why. But part of the ability to navigate through something is to understand not what happened, but why. Because, see, if you and I get caught up in what is happening to us and not the why, we, we end up becoming emotional. Because you think that everything that happened is either somebody else's fault or it's all your fault. Uh huh. This is what I'm telling you. If you focus on what is happening to you, it'll make you become emotional. I know it firsthand, friend. If you only focus on what is wrong and all the list of things that's wrong, it'll make you become emotional, and you'll either blame somebody else or you'll blame it all on yourself. Usually the first thing we do when something goes wrong is we look for someone to blame. I'm going to give you three different types of people here in a moment. But in order to think clearly and and, and intelligently, and we all need to think clearly and intelligently so we can pray effectively, 
You have to get beyond what is happening in your life and ask yourself why. You know, sometimes some things are happening in your life because of what you prayed for. Oh, you're praying for more and a struggle comes and the Lord will test you in a manner to see, are you really able to believe him for more when even when you're in less? Amen. Can you really believe him for a healing even if you're sick in another area now? See, if you don't know why something is happening, you don't know whether to rebuke the devil. Listen to me now. This is where we've gone so wrong in teaching people in, in the church because we, we've often taught people that God is never behind some of the bad things that happen. When the Bible says that even in, that God at times in the word of God, if some of you might remember, that God himself sent an evil spirit. Sometimes God will allow bad things happen to good people. And so if you never ask yourself why is something happening, you won't know whether to rebuke the devil or plead the blood. You won't know whether to bind witches or thank God for allowing you to go through the test. And you won't know whether to repent because maybe you did something wrong. Instead of asking, why am I going through the season I'm going through? Am I self-sabotaging myself? Do I need a therapist or do I need an exorcist? Are you here? I'm trying to tell. And you'll never get the answer if you don't ask why. Instead, we'll come to a conclusion. If we, it's easy to always find somebody else to blame for your problems. So because we don't like all the things that are happening in our life, we focus on the what. It's easy to focus on the what because I can assert blame on everybody else. But the minute I ask why, oh, hallelujah, it'll get real. Now, I know there's nobody in this place that ever likes to experience trouble or sickness or disease or, or, or financial issues or trouble of any kind, right? None of us like it. When I, when I was little, I've kind of uh, told this story before, but when I was little, all right, and any time I would do something wrong, it was a rare thing. But any time I would do something wrong, uh, uh, my mom had the ability, she didn't ever have to say anything. She could just look at you. And your blood and your heart would race be just because of the glare. <laughs> the glare that said, when we get home, I'm going to get you. When we get out of public view, you are mine. Hallelujah. <laughs> that kind of thing. I mean, just the glare. In church, especially, if I was acting up, being a fool, I mean, just one look. I mean, of rage, and you would think it was hate, but it was embarrassment. It was just, boy, if I get my hands on you. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost, it will not be the Holy Ghost that touches you. It's going to be me. We know what it feels like to be in trouble as a kid. Some of you can relate to that kind of thing. But, but when we go through trouble as an adult, we go through trouble as an adult like the mortgage is due, the rent is due, the, the wife and I aren't getting along right, I have a child that isn't talking to me, whatever it is, th though you experience trouble as an adult, you and I often experience our trouble as an adult just like we did as a child. Oh, think about what I just said. That same sort of panic and fear when mom could look at you and stare you down and think, when I get you alone, 
when trouble comes in your life, you respond in the same way as you were a child as you do as an adult. Oh, God, I'm, we're going somewhere. But I'm just, this is a mini therapy session. <laughs> we'll get back to the message in just a minute. Thank you for listening. If you are being blessed by this podcast, consider becoming a monthly partner with Fresh Fire Church. Your gift of just $25 each month helps us to take the gospel to every corner of the world. It also helps us to feed and clothe those in our community. Stand with us and become a monthly partner for $25 and help us bring the fire of God to those in need. Experience it just like a child. We put our head down. Our voice quiets. We lay down. We worry because we're in trouble. However it is that you respond. Maybe some of you get angry when you get in trouble. Maybe because uh, we, we look for someone to blame, whatever it may be, but our countenance changes when trouble comes. I watch it over and over again how, how when, when trouble comes, many of you get quiet and weak. We're not as loud and bodacious in our praise when trouble comes. Uh-huh. We're not happening and bubbling around the church when we're sick in our body, are we? Uh-huh. Because we're responding to trouble in the same way we did when we were young. Oh, hallelujah. We can look at it this way. I, I'm getting ready to retire. Not me, but, but you could say that. You're getting ready to retire. And although you're getting ready to t retire, your trouble could be you have nothing to retire on. So I'm in trouble. It'll cause you to put your head down, to get quiet, to wonder what in the world you're going to do, right? The doctors can be concerned about some things and tests that are coming through. You're in trouble. They can find a lump in your breast. That could be your trouble, right? I may be 45, but I experienced trouble the same way as I did when I was five. I, I know I'm in trouble even in the office because when I walk in the office and everyone gets quiet, I know I'm in trouble. Amen. The ladies all get quiet. Most of the things that happen in our lives, we are actually caught in the crossfire of an even bigger fight. Most of the things that happen. You might be the victim. You might be the recipient of tragedy, but it is generally about something bigger than you. Hallelujah. Listen to what I'm telling you. Most of the trouble in your life is just you caught in the crossfire. It's not really about you. You're just caught in the crossfire. You don't always know where the trouble's coming from. We just know we're in trouble. And so generally, watch this, once you conclude that you are in trouble, you start looking for someone to blame. Oh, hallelujah. I know. So that brings me to the three kinds of people I want to give you real quick, and then we'll get to the text. One of the group of people always blame it, blame it on spirituality. In other words, the devil made me do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think the devil is the root of everything that happens to them. Even if they did it on their own, they blame the devil. I think it was my sister growing up used to say the devil made me do it. Was that Carrie? Every time she'd get in trouble, the devil made me do it. Daddy, don't beat me. The devil made me do it. Don't spank me. The devil made me do it, right? 
And if we're not careful, we'll have that kind of mentality that anytime something bad happens, you just quickly want to blame the devil. The second group of people are the ones that just blame other people. They don't blame the devil. It's always everybody else's fault. This is no joke. I had a, I had a lady who was in church, and she had, she had been married five times, and every one of her ex-husbands were crazy. The first husband was crazy. The second husband was crazy. Her third husband, she said, didn't appreciate her. And the fourth husband acted like he had no sense, she said. The fifth husband never complimented her, and so she left them all. And after the fifth one and she met the sixth man, I said, but is there any chance that Bernie, where you could think that there's a common denominator in here and it might not be them, it could be you? Can you help me understand that out of eight billion people on the planet, you met six and concluded that all men were dogs. Are you trying to see what I'm trying to say? All men can't be dogs if there's eight billion people and you only met six. There is a common thread, though. Hallelujah. I've heard women say there ain't no good men left in the world. Never occurring, never, never considering that the problem could be us because it's easier to blame all the men. We blame other people for being late. We blame other people we can't pay bills. We blame other people for how we feel. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm in a bad mood because of what somebody said. The third group, I won't stay there. The third group is we blame ourselves for everything. Things that we could not control. Things that you couldn't fix. And we beat ourselves up. We defend ourselves in front of the attacker. If someone's yelling at you, you'll defend yourself in front of them. But when you go home, you'll beat yourself up. You'll blame yourself. I'm not enough. I'm inadequate. I can't do this. I messed up everything. We attack ourselves, three groups of people. And so you need to ask yourself, who am I? Who am I? In the text. Now we get to the text. Are you still with me? All right, good. Hallelujah. It'll help you if you'll let it. Mm, mm, mm. In, in our text, Peter is in trouble. The text lets us know he's going to die in the morning. But it's not the devil. It's not the other disciples. And the worst part of it is, it's not even Peter. Peter has done nothing wrong. Look at this text. I just said there are usually three kinds of people, and yet the text is showing us it's not Peter. It's not the disciples' fault. Right? It's not Peter himself. He can't blame others. Oh, Lord, it's not the devil. And yet something bad is happening to a good person. And so we struggle sometimes because we're trying to endure the problem but we're often perplexed because we don't understand the problem. We haven't asked why. And so we can, we can ask things like, uh, I, I don't understand why you don't, you, why you don't like me. I don't understand why someone doesn't get along with me. I don't understand why my kid doesn't talk to me. You know, those sort of things we'll ask ourselves. 
we go through all kinds of questions in our minds sometimes, and then we come to church, and church often just tells us, I've heard people say, oh, you just got to praise the Lord through it. Some of us were raised that no matter what happens, just praise the Lord. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to mess with you this morning. No matter what happens, we come in here and our faith is weary and we're, we're a little downhearted, right? And, and we come to church and someone who we think more spiritual than us will just say, just give him a praise. But I want to tell you something. I'm going to say something that might sound shocking. I, I'm going to tell you praise won't always answer your questions. You can put a praise on it, but it's not going to answer why it's happening. Ah, you can put a praise on it, right? But, but it's not really going to get you to the place where you get real answers of what is going on, what is at the very root of it, where did it come from. Praise won't always resolve your issue. Let me tell you something. Praise also won't take the place of somebody's apology. Oh, have you ever been owed an apology? Someone really wounded you, and you, you knew you were owed one, and yet you came to church, and you thought, I'm just going to praise him anyway. But you just can't get past it because praise doesn't take the place of an apology. We can dance all over this church, but you, if you still don't apologize, then, then, then you can't have any peace. Oh, Hallelujah. You can come in here and get all excited and hoop and holler and all the things that we like to do. You can run around this church till you need a fresh fire church water bottle. And you're still not going to have any peace and you're not going to be able to solve the problem. Because praise like that won't solve everything for you. Praise won't fix what you need to fix sometimes. How do I know that? Because if you, if you go to the doctor this week and they tell you you got a lump in the breast and the church, church just tells you to praise the Lord, when you, when you get through praising the Lord, guess what? Sometimes that lump's still there. And, and so it, that, that praising God didn't help you figure out what's going on. Where did it come from? Whose fault is this? Who do I blame, right? So what do you do when you find yourself in a situation and you don't know who to blame and you don't know how to pray? Because, see, if you haven't asked why is something, something happening, it's difficult to know how to pray. And if I don't know how to respond to it and I don't know how to talk about it, what do I do? See, Peter is going through something, hallelujah. Peter is going through something that the other disciples could not relate to. And he's going through it alone. Watch this now. Peter has gone through something that all the other disciples cannot relate to. And he's gone through it alone. Oh, Lord. Has anybody ever gone through something and you felt like you were going through it alone? See, even if the disciples could relate to it, he's in jail, surrounded by guards. He couldn't even talk to them. Have you ever gone through something and yet you knew others had experienced something like it? but you still felt like you couldn't talk to him, that you really just couldn't be real. Mm. Because we can't ever really tell people what's going on in our home or what we're thinking. Do you realize if most of us would get honest about some of the stuff we struggle with, it would make some of your faces turn red and your ears would curl in this place because church people have a hard time hearing the truth. 
It's just that we like to we like to try to live in a la la land like we've all already overcome every temptation in the world, and that we never struggle with anything, right? And 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 everything's just roses and and daisies in our life, amen. But the truth of the matter is, is sometimes we're going through stuff, and even though we're not really going through it alone, it often feels like we are going through it alone. That's what Peter was experiencing. So I'm trying to talk to you about some stuff that maybe some of us are going through some stuff and it feels like we're going through it alone. See, even though you are even though even though you and I can sit in church around other people today, it can still feel like you're here alone. Even though other people have an opinion, right? It can still feel like you're going through it alone. Even though there's other people to talk to about it, and even though you may talk to other people about what you're going through, you can still feel like you're going through it alone. Peter is going through something, and he's going through this alone. James is not in the room. John is not in the room. Yet he's got guards, you know, standing guard, but he has no one to talk to, no one to reach out to, no one that can relate to what he's going through. See, what I come to understand about what we go through and when things happen to you and I is that most of the things that torment the soul, this is what I'm telling you, most of the things that torment the soul, what do I mean by soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. You go through alone. Just take a moment and ponder that. Most of the things you go through that torment the soul, you go through alone. Alone. Single people like to think they're going through things because they're single. But I can tell you something for all the single people. That married people know that being married doesn't mean you're not going through something alone. Because having someone lying next to you does not mean that you are going through it, that, that they are going through it with you. Hmm. I said, just because you got someone lying next to you or living in the house with you does not mean they're going through it alone. Ladies, let me let you in on a little secret. Ladies, when you ask men, what are you thinking? Because they're quiet and they're not saying much. And we respond, nothing. It doesn't mean that we're thinking nothing. You want to know what it means? It means we think we're going through it alone. Uh-huh. See, ladies, if you'll hear what I'm telling you, I just helped you so you quit nagging on your man and making a bigger fight. I'm serious. I'm telling you right now. I'm letting you in on how we shut down because we feel like we can't really tell you what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're worrying about. This is mine because we're the fixer. God created us to be that way. we got to be strong. I can't appear weak. I can't appear like I need you, like I really need you right now. And so if you'll just understand when they get quiet, what they're really thinking inside is they're trying to think, how am I going to get myself out of this? How am I going to get us through this? And they don't want to let you know they're panicking quite yet. But sometimes they just need a little affirmation and all you just by being there, not nagging them, not trying to get in their head, not trying to get them to say something. And then when they finally do say something, you don't like what they said because we lashed out. Because you poked us. You don't like the truth I'm giving you. That's all right. Hallelujah. What did Peter do to go to jail? 
I mean, think about it. What did Peter do to go to jail? Acts lets us know that Peter got in the crossfire of King Herod Agrippa I. Remember, I mentioned that earlier, that most of the trouble that we face is us getting in the crossfire of something bigger going on. He, he got in the crossfire of a political decision where the king decided to attack the church members for strategic advantage. To try to get to a higher, a higher level and rank among the Jews. So King Herod was, was partly Jewish. And he had sent out, uh, he, he, had, he had been sent out to, to this outpost and he wanted to be their king. But the Jews did not legitimize him as being authentically Jewish. So he's trying to earn some extra Jewish points, you know. I know no politician ever does that with Christians either. It's funny how, how religious they get come election year. I mean, they're going to church. I mean, you don't see them go to church all year. And this past week, uh, I mean, I saw, I can't tell you how many of them in church. Our president was in church. Uh, the former president was in church. Glory to God. And then, then the other candidates were in church because they're making a, a political decision. Trying to earn some extra points with you and I. And so he, he knows, King Agrippa knows the Jews don't like, like the Christians so, so he, he is hated on, on who they are hating on to sort of gain political points, to gain some points with them so he can potentially have more power. He didn't care about the Jews and he didn't care about the Christians. What he cared about was getting more power. What he cared about was his career. So watch this. If you don't understand why you're being attacked, you don't know how to respond to the attack. Remember, Peter was the guy that preached the day of Pentecost. He was an influential Christian. He had, he had ignited the church that provoked the outpouring of the Holy Spirit earlier in Acts. That caused over 3,000 souls to be added to the church that day. Hallelujah. So he had some influence. Peter had influence that Herod thought, if I killed the first disciple, and they liked that, if I can get the ringleader, I'll really be on top. So he's thinking, I've already killed one. Let me kill another and let me get the ringleader. Let me get the guy who ignited such a, such a fire of the Holy Ghost and see if they like that. See, that's, what, that, 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 that's why some of you need to know before you pray for God to use you more or for God to take you higher, you, you, you need to know that you're going to get caught up in fights that you don't even know about. See, sometimes we'll pray for God to do more, to take us higher, God, God to move in this way, God do something explosive in my life, God use me in, in more ways. And what that means is you'll get caught in the crossfire of other attacks that you don't have anything to do with. You're, you'll get attacked by people you don't even know. I mean, people will just talk about you to talk about you. People will make things up. The, the enemy will talk about you because he can see God's going to use you, and it's not that you did anything. It's the threat that you, you possess. Hallelujah. Our, our church has been victim of that. Hallelujah. We, we continue to be. I, I mean, that guy, I, I'm not even going to tell you his name because he ain't worthy of it, uh, to draw any attention, but he keeps attacking us. He keeps bringing me up, bringing our church up, trying to make a big deal about us, blah, 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 about our associations, people we support, people we work with, all of those things. And yet, why? Because it has nothing necessarily to do with us, but he needs to have, he thinks it makes him better. 
All right. They've never attended our church. They've never visited. They've never even helped with anything, right? I called a friend of mine, and I said, what in the world is going on? I said, I don't even know what to do anymore. I said, I want to say something, but I know I really shouldn't say anything. And, and you know what he said to me? He said, it doesn't matter when you're in the crossfires of someone else's ego. <laughs> and so I just summed it up, and I realized I'm just in the crossfires of someone else's ego. Hallelujah. See, maybe if you and I are in a situation right now and you're bearing the brunt force of other people's decisions that are affecting you, but they are not because of you, because someone else has their own agenda, or you have to, you have to stop worrying about yourself just because someone is trying to get in with, with the Jews or get in with other people and, 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 and set up their own sort of thing. See, you, you have to understand, it, this, this attack on Peter, it, it has nothing to do with Peter's theology. It has nothing to do with his teaching. It has nothing to do with his giftings. It has nothing to do with his powers. It has nothing to do with his favor or his anointing. Yet, Peter is in jail. Are you hearing me? It, he, it, it, it has nothing to do with him, yet he's sitting in jail. It was not his fault or his fight, but Peter is in jail. He has had no argument with Herod, yet he's in jail. He has not even ticked off the city, yet he's in jail. He hasn't done nothing, but yet something bad has happened to a good person. Because, mm. see, God does not order sunshine and, and morning sunshine for you. Sometimes God will order trouble. Sometimes God will order trouble for your life. And the reason God will order trouble for your life is because the word of God says that our God is an ever-present help in trouble. Are you hearing me? He, he sometimes will send trouble because our God is an ever-present help in trouble. So I've learned something. If you, if you want to know where God is, if you really want to know where God is, he will let you get in trouble so he can show himself strong in your situation. Amen. Hallelujah. See, you're not shouting with me because none of us want trouble. But if you ever really want to know where God is, he'll send trouble so he can show himself strong. God will put you, put you in trouble so he can show you how strong he is and that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, remember in the text, Herod was a king. Herod was a king. But Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you need to understand something. that The, the lawyer doesn't have the last say. The judge doesn't have the last say. God has the last say. And so sometimes it may take some time. It may take you and I going through a test. But what God has for you is for you. Hallelujah. It may take a little time, but what God has for you is for you. And so in the first phrase of the text, this is a strategy of which he's been victimized by a, by a systematic strategy that set him up. This is why. This is why the, 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 this is why the Bible says that you and I should not be ignorant of the wiles of the devil. 
the wiles or the strategies of the devil. Right? How'd the text start? That's when King Herod got into his head to go after some of the church members. So he murdered James. And then he set his sights on Peter. You and I cannot be ignorant of the enemy's wiles or his strategies. I've learned that Satan has a strategy for each of us and it's tailor-made for you. The strategy for you may be different than the strategy he has for me. But you and I cannot be ignorant of his strategies, his devices. That's why you and I can't focus on what is happening. You have to ask why. Oh, because the minute you ask why, it'll help you to understand the strategy or the wow of the devil if it is indeed the devil. See, I'm able to find out real quick if it's the devil or not because I can't blame everything on the devil. Sometimes I've just made stupid decisions. And then I have to reap the consequence of a bad decision in a broke-down moment. Because I know nobody else has ever made a decision, a bad decision in a broke-down moment. I mean, when you were already in trouble, you made another bad decision. And then we reap the consequence of that. Woo! And then we try to look spiritual and blame the devil. I'm under attack. No, we just made a bad decision. <laughs> Y'all don't like that truth, but it, it's, it, it's honest. This is why when trouble comes, you got to ask why. It'll let you first be able to examine, is this really the devil or is this a result of something I did? Or is it be- really is someone else's fault? It just requires us to get honest with ourselves. Herod thought in his mind that if he killed Peter, it would make him greater. But how many of you know that killing me doesn't make you greater? Right. Herod was determined to be sure Peter did not get out. He didn't know Peter. He didn't know him personally, but he must have known something about Peter. How many of you know that there are some people, they don't know you, but maybe they've heard some things? Right. I, there's a lot of people that don't know me, but there's many people that know I'm a little crazy. Meaning I have a, a, a great faith. I believe God for anything, right? People don't necessarily know us. They haven't really watched our church, but they've heard. Most people assume just by the name of the church that we're, we're, you know, we're on fire. You know, it, it, it won't be boring. It shouldn't be that there should be a moving on the, uh, the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so most people will make some assumptions, right? And so Herod, Herod was determined to get Peter, but he did not know him. He just knew about him. He knew something about him. He, he knew and he had heard that this is ear-cutting Peter, that when he got angry, he cut off a guy's ear. Mm-hmm. You, you see, you, you have Thomases in church, and, and we also have some Johns and some James in church. In every church, we got some of those. Some of y'all are like Thomas. Some of you are like John and James, right? And then some of you up in here, there's a few of us. I'm like one of those who were like Peter. Oh, yeah, I, I can be godly, but mess with me. Oh, hallelujah. And you'll see another side. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? Peters are the ones that, that, that they're saved. They love the Lord. But if you flip them out... You'll see another version. I'm just trying to be honest. And so there's a few of you in here that are like that. There's a few of us in here that we look saved. We are saved. 
right? We, we love God. We pray and we can praise. But in the bottom of your purse, ladies, or on your hip hidden, is, is something, amen, that if you mess with me in the wrong way, you will meet power. Oh, I know. Let's pretend that we none of us, none of you know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you that some of us, uh, that we're, we are like Peter. There's variations of who we are in this place. Everyone looks saved in here. But if someone cuts you off in the parking lot, hallelujah. See, I, what I love about the text, thank God that the text tells us what Herod was thinking. It helps us to really understand this a lot better. The text tells us what Herod was thinking. My first question, when, when anyone does something that's crazy is, what were you thinking? If Lois does something crazy, which is normal, and she comes to my office and I, she gets, before I, I yell at her, right? I say, what were you thinking? And then she'll respond, oh, but I wasn't. <laughs> I'm joking, y'all. I'm joking. <laughs> I got I to gotta keep you with me because we're getting to the important part. But anytime someone does something crazy, church people, family, whatever, I say, what in the world were you thinking? The Bible tells us in this text what Herod was thinking. And it had nothing to do with Peter. But yet Peter was going to die in the morning. Did you hear what I said? What he was thinking, it had nothing to do with Peter, but yet Peter was caught in the crossfires and he was going to die in the morning. Can you imagine dying for something that you had nothing to do with? My God, my God. Peter is going to die because Herod is ambitious. Sometimes we'll find ourselves in trouble because of someone else's ambition. Oh, hallelujah. Peter is thrust into jail. And he gets 16 soldiers divided into four different quadrants. Now, to put that many soldiers around one man, that's respect. You can see it a lot of different ways. But when you have to put that many soldiers around one particular man that you don't know, but you've just heard that sometimes he gets a little bit radical, that is respect. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I've learned that the level of attack determines the level of respect. Oh, my God. Did you hear that? Some of you need to understand that about what's been going on in your life. Why is it when you're trying to press so far ahead and, and press into God does the attack intensify? You need to understand it's a level of respect because even your enemy can see the potential that is in you. Even though Herod didn't know Peter, he heard enough to have enough respect to think, I've got to make sure he can't get out of this one. If Herod didn't know that Peter was someone to deal with, he could have just put one man next to him. But he put enough guards on him because Herod knows that if Peter gets half a chance to, to, to get up, he'll pull out a sword and cut a guy's ear. Maybe go to cussing, something like that that Peter normally would do. He'll throw a fit and then he'll get and slip through his hands. The same devil knows that about you. 
that if, that if you get half a chance to get up on your feet, that hell will break loose in that place. Are you hearing me? You need to understand that about you. Many of you don't see yourself in that manner. And so we question, and all you do is get frustrated on what is happening, but not why. You get frustrated because first it was the car, and then it's something that made you sick, hallelujah. And then it's a financial problem, and then it's somebody else causing your problems, and we're just focused on what is happening, not the why, not recognizing that all of this that's going on, it's really respect because the enemy knows if I give them half a chance to get up on their feet, you can set a place off. Am I just preaching about myself today? There's more in you than what maybe you've even realized yet. Hallelujah. The enemy knows you have power. And so the enemy is attacking you because you have power. Remember last week I said this is a year of power patience and praise so in other words this is the year for for you to recognize the power that you operate within this is the year for you and i to have more patience hallelujah and yet in in and through it all we're going to still give him praise so that's why last week we said i got power i got power yes and so i know i got power this is how i know i got power i know i got power because I have problems. Are you hearing me? I know that the, the evidence that I know that I have power is that I have problems. If you don't have any problems, then you ain't packing no heat. <laughs> See, if you're not really a threat to the enemy, that, that's why every Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, Jesus on your mind kind of person, you got some kind of trouble percolating because you're packing power and the enemy will do whatever he can to limit the impact of your power. Uh Uh-huh. And so you know you have power if you have problems. The problems are a sign that you have power. Oh, hallelujah. So when when something happens tomorrow morning, we just need to say, oh, thank you, Lord. I know I got power. Power, wonder-working power. Yeah. I got power because I know I got a problem. Because nobody sends that level of problems if you don't have power. Herod did, never sent that level of problem to him if he never would have had power. You, you send 16 soldiers to guard a man that has power. So you can say, I got power. Oh, hallelujah. I'm under attack because I got power. Sometimes we're, you're being besieged because you have power. You have so many enemies because you have power. Are you hearing me? Sometimes this, our own city will rise up against us because we got power. Amen. We've made some of our government officials mad because we have power. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we'll make family mad because we got power. Sometimes we'll even tick your spouse off because you got power. Did you ever notice that? Just your presence will irritate your spouse. You didn't even do anything, but because but you're packing power, you just irritate. You, you, you do realize that. I've had people just like get all weird. I'll never forget the day I walked. Everything always happens at Walmart. I walked in Walmart and I'm not telling you, this woman manifested in the H. I was just trying to buy shampoo and she was there. It was an evil spirit. Her head literally twisted around and the face she made was just like the ugliest. I thought we were going to have to like, you know, deliver. I'm not, there's no joke, but it happened. That happens to me all the time. Just your presence will irritate the enemy. 
Some people just get irritable around you because they can't stand your packing power. But if you don't ask why, you'll just think they're crazy. You'll just think they got an attitude. You just think they don't like me very much. Instead of, But if you ask why, you can come to the conclusion why they're acting like that. Are you hearing me? Because I have power. He has so many guards because he has power. If it isn't one thing, it's another in your life. Haven't you ever noticed that if it isn't this being the problem, it's that over there being the problem. Because hell is nervous about you and I. Hell is nervous about what you're going to do. And so hell has had to increase the guards to keep you from to go, to going from where you're trying to go. That's why I was considering titling the message, Take Me Through It. Because we know where the text brings us to the most important part of the text right here. Take me through it. We just read it. We know what happens. Peter's got 16 soldiers and he's handcuffed to two of them. And they're sleeping. They're sleeping. And so is Peter. The night before he's going to lose his head. We know he's going to lose his head because that's how the first disciple was killed. Not about you, but it'd be hard to sleep. No, and I'm about to lose my head. But not only are the disciples, or not only are the are, are the, the the soldiers sleeping, Peter is sleeping. This is the greatest expression of faith. Because silent faith screams. That's why I said earlier the greatest expression of faith when you're sleeping, it's just snoring. See, faith that doesn't become discombobulated just because you're under attack, that is faith that is at its best. Peter sleeping in the middle of these two guards before facing what he's facing is faith at its best. Notice he isn't trying to go around the prison and anoint it. He's not walking and pacing the floor trying to pray and, 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 and anoint anything. This is faith at its best. Faith at its best is peace in the midst of the storm. Sometimes some of us would probably read that and wonder, Lord, how in the world is it that he can sleep in prison the night before he's going to be killed? Simon was just beheaded, and yet Peter is sleeping. How in the world did he go to sleep chained between two guards, knowing that in the morning he's going to lose his head? in the inner part of the prison. And I kept thinking about it. How is it? How was he able to have that kind of bodacious and outrageous faith and peace to sleep like that? Because you've heard me talk about how, how sometimes we just need to pray, Lord, let me go to sleep. And we need to have the kind of level of faith just to go to sleep. But sometimes that's easier said than done. And so I was pondering the text and I said, Lord, what level do we have to be on to be able to just to go to sleep the night before we're going to lose our head and chain between guards in a cold, damp place, going through it all alone and nobody to talk to, and nobody that can relate to what we're going through. Really, it's a storm that we're going through all by ourselves. God, how can he sleep in the midst of this kind of trouble? 
And then I remembered how Jesus was asleep in the boat. See, Peter learned from Jesus how to sleep in the midst of a storm. Oh, hallelujah. Did you hear what I said? Peter learned from Jesus how to sleep in the midst of the storm. You remember Jesus was sleeping in the bow of the boat and in the midst of the hurricane. And even though the boat began to take on water and Jesus' feet began to get wet, he was sleeping. Not phased by what was going on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, if you can keep your peace when all hell is breaking loose, if, if you can refuse to react in a predictable way, when all hell is breaking loose, God will find a way to bless you. See, see, sometimes the best way to respond to an attack is... See, all this while, for the last couple of months, I've wanted to respond to this guy just keeps talking about us. Keeps talking about me. I mean, just bringing me up. I wanted to respond. And then I realized after speaking to my, that brother of mine, when, when he said, don't get tripped up in somebody else's ego, right, right, when he realized, I realized my best response is just go to bed. Just say nothing. Just ignore it. Amen. The best response to an attack is sleeping. Because see, sleep says, I, I, I don't know what, 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 he's, what that person's going to do. Right? Uh, sleep says, I, I, I don't know what God's even going to do, but I know he's going to do something. Sleep says, I don't know how, how, how God's going to move, but I know he's going to move something. Sleep says, I don't know the answer to the problem, but I know, but I know who has the power. I know who has the answer. Sleep says, the battle is not mine. It belongs to the Lord. Sleep says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sleep says, the enemies you see today, you shall see no, see no more. Amen. Sleep through it. Sleep like a baby. That's what the Bible said. The Bible says that Peter literally slept like a baby that night. It's a lesson for you and I that we don't have to get even. That we don't have to retaliate. That we don't have to get revenge. Just sleep through it. Are you hearing me? Just sleep through it. God has determined the end from the beginning. While he was sleeping, God does his best work while we sleep. I believe that. We've seen examples in Scripture that God does his best work when we go to sleep. Because when God got ready to bring Eve, he put Adam to sleep. Because what I've learned about God is he does not need our participation in order to bless you. Did you hear what I just said? God does not need your participation in order to bless you. When God gets ready to bless you, you can still go to sleep because God can still put you, put, put, pull out of you and, and do what he needs to do in order to bless you even while you sleep. What I've learned is that when I go to sleep, God is making a way while I sleep. God is working it out while I sleep, in my sleep. He's moving obstacles while you go to bed. He's turning it around while you go to bed. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? He's providing for you in your sleep, Renita. Amen. He's providing for you and I in our sleep. So the best thing is just go to bed. Don't let it keep you up. Don't allow it to worry you. God will stay up. I'm going to bed. Are you hearing me? We serve a God that does not have to sleep. Amen. He don't slumber. So because he don't sleep and he don't slumber, I'm going to bed. 
I can go to bed because I know I'm covered. I can go to bed because while I'm sleeping, I know I'm protected. I can go to sleep and I can go to bed because I know I'm safe. Hallelujah. Some of us were up too many nights. And some of you, the word of the Lord, it's just time for you to go to bed. Rest in the Lord. The Bible says he slept like a baby. And while he slept like a baby, are you still with me? I just need five minutes. While he slept like a baby, suddenly, suddenly there appeared an angel in the room. But Peter didn't do anything to call him. <laughs> I said, Peter didn't do anything to call him. Peter didn't even believe it. Remember, that Peter thought he was dreaming. Even Rhoda didn't believe it when he showed up after they'd been praying. That's why she left him standing at the door. And so often when I look into a text, when I'm bringing forth a message, I look for the hero in the text. Lord, Lord where's the hero of faith in the text? And then I realized that Peter didn't do anything in the text to necessarily be the hero. There's no one really in the text. And I was looking for the hero, and, and I realized that maybe if Peter didn't do anything to get himself in this, that he didn't have to do anything to get himself out of it. My God, are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you today? So when, when you and I are caught in the crossfires, my God, that was good enough. You, you need to take that and run with it this week. So, so when trouble comes and you ask the question, why? And, it, and you didn't do anything to get yourself there. And, and you've made no decision that, that brought the trouble into your life. Maybe then like Peter, if you didn't do anything to get yourself in it, you don't need to do anything to get yourself out of it. Because if God sees fit to get you in trouble, my God, it's a word for somebody. God will get you out of trouble. Oh, hallelujah. So sometimes we just got to stop sitting up at night and stop thinking, what should I do? Who should I call? What decision should I make? What am I going to do now? Maybe your best response to trouble is I'm going to bed. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep. Because sleep is the way of Jesus. Remember, Jesus taught Peter how to sleep. Jesus taught him even in the midst of trouble, you can go to bed. Because only Jesus can sleep through a hurricane. Boat filling with water, his feet getting wet, and yet Jesus was sleeping. You know what I learned? It matters who mentors you. It matters who mentors you. Somebody called me the other day, and they, were just, they said, I just called to talk to you, because every time I call talk to you, you build my faith. I said, well, what, what? I didn't say anything. They said, no, it's just faith screams from you. When you tell me what you're doing, what you're believing for, what's going on, but it just screams from you because it mentors me. It, it builds my faith, right? It matters who mentors you, church. L let me say it like this way. If your mom and dad were hysterical when you grew up, when trouble came, you react in the same like manner. If your mom was a worrier, and got quiet, you're like that too. Because even though, I, I don't have the time to lay this out the way I'd love to. They're mentoring you just by you watching. 
It's not that they said anything. You weren't even included in on the discussions and the fights between mom and dad, but they mentored you just by you watching. It matters who mentor you because they taught you how to deal and respond to stress. You watched how they responded to trouble and you learned that's how to respond. They taught you how to react. Jesus taught Peter how to sleep. Jesus, teach me how to keep my wheels from turning and my mind from racing. Some, 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 of you, some of you go by worrying and trying to think your way out of something, but your intellect, watch this, your, your intellect becomes your idol because you think you have to be smart to be delivered. My God. My God. Peter was a smart man. And yet he went to bed. He wasn't scheming and plotting. He wasn't trying to weasel his way. We've all seen those videos of some people, they can wiggle right out of handcuffs. Mm -hmm. He wasn't trying to do that. He wasn't trying to send secret messages and trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of this. He wasn't even praying. He was sleeping. Some of you are worrying and trying to think your way out of some of the problems you're facing. And your intellect becomes your idol. You think you got to be smart to be delivered. But what you really need to say is, Lord, teach me how to sleep. Because if I can get sleep right, you can get the suddenly right. Are you hearing what I'm trying? I'm laying something on you that you should be picking up. Lord, teach me how to sleep. Because if I can get to sleep right like Peter, you can get to suddenly right. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if, if you didn't do anything to get yourself into trouble, if you, don't, if you don't have anything to repent about, right, then fluff your pillows and go to bed. And listen to what I'm telling you. Some of you, you haven't been sleeping well at night. You're staying up because of trouble. You're worried and you're in fear. There ain't no Steeler game today because it's postponed to tomorrow. You need to leave church, go home, fluff your pillows, pull the covers back, go to bed, and say, I'm not going to worry no more. I'm going to bed. Because if I didn't do anything to get myself in this mess, I'm not going to do anything to get myself out of this mess. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. My God, I didn't do anything to get myself in this. I don't have to do anything to get myself out. This, these past two weeks, I've got more sleep in months because of this dumb medication they got me on to deal with all this dizziness and stuff. I've gotten more and more sleep, and I was getting front. I'm saying, God, I'm not getting anything done because I'm sleeping so much. I left the work. I left the office early the other day. I was I was just in not a good way. I was not feeling good. Everything was spinning. I was dizzy. And it was a good thing we didn't have church because I wasn't feeling up to preaching anyway because I didn't know how I would ever stand and do it. And all this was going on. I went home. I went to bed. I woke up about six thirty. Used the restroom, lay back down about 7.30 and slept until 7 o'clock the next morning. And I've had a lot of days like that. And I was getting frustrated because not enough stuff was happening. And I thought, God, you got to figure this out. Every test so far hasn't showed nothing. I said, God, come on. Now we got to figure this thing out. I said, what is it? I started trying to adjust my diet and all this stuff. And then the Lord started giving me this word. 
If you didn't do anything to get yourself in this mess, don't worry about how you're going to get out of it. Go to bed. Get some sleep. Rest. Amen. Don't feel guilty for sleeping. Are you hearing me? Make up for some lost time. If you didn't, didn't do anything to get yourself in trouble, then go home, fluff your pillows, and go to bed. See, I'm going to rest in the Lord despite trouble. The word of the Lord is, I'm going I'm to rest in the Lord in spite of handcuffs. If you're in trouble right now, whatever your trouble is, rest in him despite the handcuffs. Rest in him in spite of the limitations. In spite of your budget, go to bed. In spite of your dilemma, go to bed. They they can tie up your hands. The enemy can tie up your finances. But they cannot tie up your peace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Trouble can come. But they cannot tie up your peace. Only you decide whether or not someone's going to take your peace. That's why it's important you and I ask the question, why is this happening? Because if it isn't the devil, and if it isn't someone else, and if it isn't you, then hold your peace. Go to bed. Peter didn't stay up all night trying to steal the key. He said, I'm going to bed. The Bible said that the angel appeared suddenly because he's a suddenly God. And that often contradicts our faith. The reason I say that this often contradicts our faith is because you and I are the kind of people we want to see him coming. Come on, we don't like to admit it, but we're the kind of people we want to see it to believe it. And yet God is the God that he's not going to show you that he's on the way. All he says in his word that I'm an ever-present help in trouble. So he says, if you want to see me demonstrate my power, get in trouble. It's just your problem is you want to see him coming. Peter was sleeping and he didn't see the angel coming. But most of you in this room, you're in trouble and you want to see the angel coming. You get in financial trouble and you want to see the checks in the mail. I have that app that lets me see what mail's coming. Before it arrives, yet from the USPS, if you don't have it, you should, because then you know if someone be stealing your mail. And when you live where I live, you got to know. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so it lets me see that a check's coming in the mail. Hallelujah. Sometimes they'll mess up. And sometimes I'll get something in the mail that they didn't send an image of. It snuck up on me. And it's a good surprise. Hallelujah, right? That's how God works. He says, you just need to trust that help is on the way. In the same manner that go to bed. You don't need to receive notification that I'm on the way. You just got to know that if you didn't do anything to get yourself in this, I'm on the way. I'm an ever-present help in times of trouble. Hallelujah. I'm a suddenly God. God never explains how he's going to do something. He just does it. He just shows up suddenly. And so the Bible says that suddenly an angel appeared. He didn't walk in. He just showed up. Some of you need to believe the testimony. The reason I had Renita share that testimony is because we didn't see him coming. Some of you may not know all the backstory, but we didn't see him coming. We didn't see him coming to heal her shoulder. We didn't see him coming to heal her leg. We didn't see him coming in the financial mess that that was created, not by her own doing. We just didn't see God coming. And then he showed up not once, not twice, but three times. Because God never explains how he's going to do it. He just does it. He just shows up suddenly. 
This is the word. Some of you just need to believe that he is a suddenly God and go to bed. So suddenly the angel appeared. He didn't walk in. He just showed up. That's what God's going to do in this year. For he, God said for every problem, for every prison that you are in, there's an angel. That'll just show up suddenly. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, for every prison you are in, there's an angel. Look at this. For 16 soldiers, God just had to send one angel. <laughs> See, all you need is one. In other words, it don't matter what we're up against. I just need one. Scott, all you need is one. One, that's it. I know it looks bleak and I know it looks difficult. And I know what you're going through is difficult and tiresome and it's tiring and it's exhausting. And it makes you weighted down and burdened down and feeling defeated. But all you need is one. Doesn't matter how many surrounding about you. All you need is one. Hallelujah. That's a word from the Lord. And so the Bible said that the angel appeared and shook Peter. Woke him up and said, hurry up. It's amazing to me how calm Peter is. Peter is so calm that the angel had to tell Peter to hurry up about his problem. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was facing beheading in the morning and I got woke up by an angel of the Lord, you wouldn't have to tell me to hurry up. I'd already be on my feet, getting my clothes on, getting my shoes on. Let's go. But the angel had to tell him, get up, get dressed, get your shoes on, let's go. That's how calm Peter was. I don't know. Seems wild to me. Because the angel tells Peter, I'm going to walk you through it. You slept like a baby. And I'm here to take you through it. I'm here to get you out of here. This is the word for you today. As I hasten to close, this is the word for you today. Hurry up. Put your shoes on. God's going to take you through it. Some of you have been wondering and worrying about how you're going to get through it. But God said, I'm going to take you through it. The angel just appeared. He just appeared, but he appeared to walk Peter through it. Do you understand that? The, the angel showed up to take Peter through it. The angel showed up and walked Peter through four quadrants of soldiers. Not all of them were asleep. The Bible lets us know that some of them, their eyes were open. Because sometimes people can look at you and not see you. So God walked him through it. See, if you just follow God, he'll take you through it. God's going to walk you through the pain and, and the present danger right now. God's going to walk you through what you're facing right now. It, it's going to be a process. But he's going to take you step by step. And the Bible says that if God walks you through it, though, no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. Hold on to the word. Listen to that. It says no weapon formed against you. The Bible doesn't say that weapons won't be formed. It just says they won't prosper. It means weapons are going to be formed. People are going to try to, to cause you pain and get you all riled up. And you're going to have enemies, but what they do, it will not prosper. See, how many times has God walked you through things that you never thought you'd get through? Look back over your life real quick. How many times did you come through that you thought you'd never get through? You can lose your house, but he walked you through it. You can lose your spouse, but he walked you through it. You can lose your job, but he walked you through it. He's going to take you and I through what we're going through. 
the last thing and the strangest thing about the text that I love is that the angel didn't leave Peter until he was safe. That's why the Bible says when they were free as a bird, free as a breeze, the angel went away because he's an ever-present help in trouble. He'll not leave you when you're in trouble. He'll be with you. He'll walk you through it. He'll take you through it. He'll bring you out. Every obstacle on, on the way out opened automatically. Watch this. Every gate, every door on the way out opened automatically. The chains fell off automatically. Remember that. The gate opens automatically. Everything opened automatically until Peter got to the house of the believers who were praying. When they got to the house of the believers who were praying, Peter had to knock. The door didn't just open. Why in the world would Peter have to knock now? Everything else just opened. Every other obstacle just opened. And then the Lord reminded me that faith without works is dead. That God says, I've opened every other door, but the last door is yours. And this is where I'll close today. There are some of you that you pray about things. And then God creates an opportunity where he needs you to knock on the door. Some of you pray about jobs and then God gives you one and you find every reason not to take it. And God says, if you just open the door. Some of you pray for your marriage and then God shows up and you're afraid to take the next step. And God says, this is your door, Peter. God will open every door to get you out. But once he gets you to a safe place, that's when, when you know the next door is yours to open. Faith without works is dead. God sent me here to just to tell you that he'll take you through it. But that when you come through, don't be afraid to open the door to the real answer. Hallelujah. Sometimes, like Rhoda, we'll just get so excited that we get out, that we get free from trouble, that we forget to open the door to the real answer. She was so excited she forgot to let the answer to her prayer come in the house. Stand to your feet. My God. My God. Some of you are going to need to sleep like a baby. Some of you just need to trust that he's going to take you through it. Whatever your it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we close this morning, I just want us to do something as a family. Because there, there were so many prayer needs in the back. We couldn't even pray for them all. Just our small little intercessory group that meets. There were, there were that many needs. So as we close in prayer, will you, if you say, I, I, I'm going through it, Pastor, your word's speaking to me. I don't care what it is. Just come and stand with us. Or if you mentioned a prayer need earlier, come. Let's, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. God will bring you through it, and you're going to sleep like a baby. Amen. We've got prayer needs. Harley and Chopper need our prayers. <laughs> Geneva needs our prayers. 
There are people that are not here today because they need our prayers. They're going through it. Brother Don needs our prayers. Hallelujah. April's mom needs our prayers. Amen. People in our, in our congregation needs our prayers. Scott needs our prayers. Hallelujah. I can't even tell you. Connie is in a list of prayer needs because people need our prayers. Some people just need to have the faith to believe that God will bring them through it. Lois and David need our prayers. The, the list goes on and on. There are many, many others that aren't here this morning that just need our prayers that, that God will bring them through it and they could sleep like a baby. Sleep like a baby. And so as we close in prayer, I just want us to pray for one another. If you're standing near someone, you don't have to join hands because I know it's cold season and all that. Lots of people are sick, but make a point of contact. Touch their shoulder or touch their back, something, you know, where they haven't coughed on. Hallelujah. And, and let's just believe God. Hear what I'm telling you. Peter wasn't praying, but I believe in the power of prayer. And I want you to have the understanding and belief you are not going through this alone. You might feel alone, but you are not alone. God will bring you through it, and you will sleep like a baby. And when your mind starts racing, you just need to tell yourself, I'm going to bed. God, you're going to stay up and figure this out because I'm going to bed. I'm getting sleep. My greatest expression of faith is me snoring. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray for one another. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the people assembled in the front of this room. I thank you for the people who couldn't and are maybe still in their chairs. I thank you, Lord, for people online that say, that's me. I wish I could stand there with you. I, I'm going through it, but I'm trusting he will bring me through it. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would help people. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would comfort people and you would allow them and help them to sleep. Just go to bed. So, Father, I pray now, oh God, that you would strengthen your church. I pray now, oh God, that you would encourage the discouraged and you would help those who are who feel helpless, God, that you would encourage those who feel like they're going through it alone, that God, there's no one that can relate to it. Father, I thank you that your word says you're an ever-present help in trouble and that, Lord, you will show up. You will always show up on time. So, God, I praise you and I thank you, Lord. Help and, and, and encourage and bless and minister and strengthen, God, your people. As people are facing hell and circumstances and difficulty and trial, oh, God, I pray. In the front of this room, for every prayer need, God, I pray that you would touch and minister and move over your church in the name of Jesus. God, every person that sent in prayer requests online, every person that sent them in through Facebook, every prayer needs staying in the front of this place today, God, I thank you that just standing here is a representation of our faith. That God, I didn't do anything to get myself in this mess. So I don't have to do anything to get myself up. Demonstrate your power. Suddenly, let there be a suddenly in some of their lives, God, this week. Show up and demonstrate your power. Let an angel just show up in the midst, God, and let the answer just show up, God. Let miracles just show up, God. Let financial blessings just show up, oh God. Let, 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 let breakthroughs just show up. Lord, we don't even need to see it coming because I just trust he'll take me through it. So, God, we bless you and we thank you. Let your people be encouraged now in the name of Jesus. God, as we leave this place and we go about our week and as people give their tithes and offerings here and online, as people sow seed, God, bless it, multiply it, bring increase. Bless them. Money they weren't expecting. A breakthrough they weren't expecting. 
in the name of Jesus. Let more of what happened to Renita continue to happen in the name of Jesus. God, I bless you and I thank you. God, keep this church and this family safe as they leave and go home. Keep them warm. Keep them protected. Meet every need that they face. Suddenly, in the name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory and praise. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Have a beautiful week in Jesus and sleep like a baby.